investor doing things on your own? How about someone working with a firm that isn't so responsive or in sync with your investment philosophy? My podcast talks you through all things financial. Look, there's stuff you don't deal with very often, but investments, insurance, and retirement is something we plan for each and every day. This is the Pennywise Financial Podcast, and welcome to the show. Welcome to Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host, Sam Gwelly. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today is Wednesday, the 23rd of March. Tax season is kind of wrapping up as the days go on. I know we got until April 18th this year. But Sam, let's jump into the markets and uh, talk about how things are going right now. Sure. Uh, stocks are sliding a bit today, as we saw earlier, but... Uh the three major indices. We'll talk about the Dow Jones first. Over the past five days, we're up a percent and a half. Uh, year to date, we're still down about 5%. And over the past year, we're up almost 7%. Uh, moving on to the S&P. Uh, last five days, we're up 3%. That's a big move. Yeah. Um, year to date, we're down about 5 almost 9 actually 6%, excuse me. Uh, and the last year, we're up just over 15%. Uh, the NASDAQ, the past five days, we're up over 4%. Year-to-date number is uh, down about 10%, and the last year is over 8%. So pretty big moves. Uh, S&P up three in the last week or so, and NASDAQ up four and change. But still that same trend. Dow losing the least, the S&P next and then nasdaq down the worst the tech sector yeah the uh the year numbers are still pretty good though yeah they are i mean they're they're pretty solid so one year on the nasdaq is positive eight percent and the s&p is up 15 and change mm -hmm. wow so just about double the nasdaq um and that includes the downfall that we've seen then we move on to the the russell Russell five-day average is up 3%. Year-to-date, still down about 6 And the one-year number is 13 and change. I like those one-year numbers across the board. And then the oil, if we look at oil and energy, and look at the XLE in the last five days, up almost 6%. Year-to-date, still up over 34%. And the one-year number up 61%. Those are big numbers. Big numbers for percent over the past year is huge. It's huge. It's huge. Imagine having all your money in energy. Who would have known? You probably would have <laughs> made a killing by now. You made a fortune, small fortune. And then how about the GLD, the more conservative, I guess, if you will, uh, even though it has high amount of volatility. Last five days, pretty much flat, down about a half a percent. Year to date, still up 7%. One year number up 11 and change. And then the cryptocurrencies, we've got Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin. We look at those trusts. Last five days on Bitcoin is up 4-plus percent. Year-to-date still down almost 16% in one year, down a whopping 38%. How about Ethereum? Pretty similar chart. Last five days up 8%. Year-to-date down 23 and change. One-year number is down about 56%. So pretty big numbers. And then Litecoin has been up 5-plus percent in the last five days. Year-to-date down 31 and change. One-year number, negative 97%. Huge. 
loss. I mean, that's incredible. That is incredible. So looking at those numbers, although we're starting to see a little bit of a shift, at least we did in the last five days or so, NASDAQ technology, those kind of stocks have been recovering quite a bit. But they're still the biggest losers uh, out of all of the indices that we're looking at, with the exception of things like Bitcoin and whatnot, some outliers. How are stocks doing today? They're kind of sliding a little bit. Yeah, they were down a bit this morning. Uh, and last I looked, they continued to slide. So we'll keep an eye on that. Interesting thing about the pumps, I feel like it's been kind of quiet lately at the gas station. I haven't seen big moves. You know, we saw that ramp up to almost five bucks a gallon. I'm paying for premium. Came back a little bit around 480. Seems to be pretty much what I'm paying. Uh, I know it bounced around a little bit, but it's been somewhat flat, kind of quiet, kind of muted. And I know oil. So oil, we looked at crude and we looked at those prices. I know my target before the summer was 115. We exceeded that. We pulled back. We went to would you say 95 or so a barrel? Yeah, it was down to about 95. Got down to about 95 bucks. And today, at least in the last few days, we've been kind of hovering that 113, 115 range. Mm -hmm. That's uh, exactly what it is. And really, it's because uh, the inventories of crude oil, uh, they're falling. So prices are going to rise, obviously. Supply and demand. We've talked about it many times on the show before. I think that this summer... You know, things will kind of tick up again. People like to travel in the summer. Kid, kiddos are off of school. People take road trips. They take flights. I know I've got another wedding booked later on in the year. And, you know, I, I think that will continue to drive demand. And if we have less supply, obviously we know it will happen with the prices. Crude oil, you said, is just about 114 and change a barrel. And I still think there's more room to go. The Federal Reserve last week raised rates quarter percent, kind of in line with what we thought. The stock market itself seems to be somewhat muted. I don't know, like we mentioned last week, if this is somewhat of a head fake. And I do think there could be some more turmoil down the road. We look at some indications, not necessarily on the stock market side of things, but on the bond market. We look at the two-year rates and the 10-year rates, the treasuries. And typically what happens is if you have an inverted yield curve, that's indicative of potential for recession. So what does that actual, that fancy talk mean, 2 and 10? So what that means is if you have an interest rate that's paying you more near term than the longer term, that's an inversion. So what that means is you're going to get a higher rate of return in the short term versus holding your money longer. What would you expect? If you give me, if you loan me money, Say you loan me a hundred bucks, and we set it up for two years. You know the, the interest rate might be three percent. If I go out longer, it might be four percent. You're giving me more time to pay, so you would have a high, expect to have a higher rate of return the longer you hold it. Right. So inverted yield curve necessarily means that you're going to be making more money on a shorter duration. So that means that the longer term that we go, there's more uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen. So that's not good. That's not good for the stock market. That's not good for the economy. That's painting a picture for a, a potential recession. And I hope not because that's not good for anyone. I don't care who you are. If you're wealthy, if you're not wealthy, if you're middle class, 
if you're a client, if you're a prospect, there's people that are saving for their retirement and a recession is no good for anyone. I feel like there's been a lot of talk about that lately, at least this year. It's it's true. I mean, it's been on the, the heart and the souls and the minds of a lot of people, and I think for good reason. It doesn't always play out that way just, just because there's an inverted yield curve, just because you make more money short-term versus long-term doesn't always play out to to be a recession, but it's a, a definitely a leading indicator. You know, it's kind of like the writing is on the wall. We shouldn't be shocked or surprised, and, and I hope it doesn't happen. I hope it doesn't play out that way. There's a lot going on in the world right now, to say the least, and I know we'll talk more about current events in the last segment of the show, but I, I am curious to see how things will continue to play out. You know, we look at inflation, cost of goods going up, what the Fed is doing, so think about the Fed raising rates. We know they're only going to go up. That means potential for mortgage rate increases. Again, that'll kind of segue into the next uh, part of the show. But I, I do have some concerns, you know, in, in different areas. And I do think that the stock market is probably your best hedge against inflation. It's not savings account. It's not your mattress. It's not bonds. It's not CDs. Not yet. When we start to see 7, 8, 9% in CDs like we did back in 2006, 2007, things start to get a little interesting. With that, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with the show. Do you want help building and managing an investment portfolio that's right for you? One that will help you maximize growth potential while you're saving, help you generate income when you need it most, and eventually preserve what you've saved to leave to your beneficiaries? We do this day in and day out and take the stress and responsibility of making those decisions off your plate. Subscribe to our newsletter, read our blog post, and listen to our podcast to get a flavor of how we do things. Our firm is unique and capable of handling all your investment and insurance needs. Monarch Wealth Management, our guidance, your future. Welcome back to Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host Sam Gwelly. Welcome back to the show, everyone. And Sam, this is where we run wild with our, our case studies and uh, prospects and inbound questions. So go ahead. What are we talking about today? Yeah, you mentioned something earlier to me about estate planning. You said a little bit about the situation you're in, some things you've come across. So my question to you is about estate plans. You know, what does it really mean? Why is it so important? You know, if you could uh, expand on that. Yeah, so this this is kind of uh, like a, I, I guess you might say, an inbound question that relates to some of the things going on with me personally. Um, unfortunately, we've had a few uh, family, friends and family, uh, deaths and we've gone to a few wakes and and whatnot and uh, celebrations of life and it, it it gets your mind thinking about a lot of different parts of life and and number one is that life is too short right and you never get to go back and and change things once once your time has come so getting all your ducks in a row and and kind of making all the plans and adjustments ahead of time makes a ton of sense so there's no scrambling if you're in the hospital if you're uh, in hospice if you need long-term care if you a lot of things can happen quite rapidly as you get older you know when you hit 70 75 80 years old your health can change dramatically in a matter of a couple of months but let's face it right we mentioned this earlier i could go out to my car today 
and not come not come home tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we, we don't know what the future holds in store. But when you mention estate plan, what is somebody's estate plan? It's basically a guide of instructions on what happens when you die, right? And there's a lot of different parts to think about. You know, when I was younger, when I was out of college, I didn't own a lot of stuff, right? I didn't have a house. I didn't even own a car. I leased a car. Uh, I had some computer equipment. I had my bank accounts, and that was about it. So you might not even think, like, I actually have to have an estate plan. But an estate plan, essentially, for a lot of folks is, you know, the basic fundamentals is a will, having a will, power of attorney, healthcare proxy. So what are all those things? When I mention a will, what what would you assume that the will is used for? Kind of like what you mentioned, what happens to all your assets after you're gone. It is. It, it gives a lot of instructions. And it may not only be financial assets. What about kids? You know, what happens if my wife and, and myself die together? We're on a trip. We go away. Mm-hmm. What happens to my son? I feel like that's also the most important thing in most people's wills. Who's going to look after the kids? It, it It's a big decision, too, mm-hmm. right? Because you might like uh, Cousin Johnny, and he's fun, and, you know, and your wife might say, no, you know, my, my mom and dad. And by the way, parents, and I've had this discussion many times with friends in our circle that have kids our age that play with my son, and some of them will say, yeah, you know, we've got our parents named as the guardian of my child. Well, we already know your parents are going to be at least 18, 20, maybe 30 years older than you are, depending on when they decide to have kids and plan a family. So now your child may be going to to live with her grandma and grandpa, and I've seen this happen before, may not be the best choice for you. For some people, it's their only choice. But, you know, I, I think there's a lot of different parts that go into thinking about this is, what kind of life will my child, and it's hard to, to envision this. You know, if I'm not here, what kind of life will my child live? And I'm not talking about finances. Financially, you should be, you know, having things in place so that if you do pass away, things like life insurance and other forms of protection on your assets, and the money should be there. You know, and if you don't have a solution for that, life insurance is a, is a great vehicle to do that in a pretty inexpensive way, depending on your health and your scenario. But uh, beyond that, coming up with that decision on who the guardian is, who's going to take care of my kid? Who's going to raise my son or my daughter the way that I would or the way that I want them to? It's a tough decision. But guess what? If you don't make a decision, if you don't have a will, that's a decision in itself. So who makes that choice? You want the court? You want New York State? You want the county? You want, you want a local judge deciding where your kid goes? It's like the last person I'd want to decide. Absolutely not. And what happens if you and your family and don't maybe maybe don't necessarily get along with your wife's family? Mm-hmm. Then it only complicates things. Chances are, you, I mean, you want you would hope that both families would be adults about it and say, "Geez, I want the best for my grandson, my granddaughter." Um, you know, making sure that both families are a part of that and whatever that looks like. And I hope nobody has to go through it, but. When you're at funerals, these are the kinds of things that people talk about. You know, what type of funeral do you want? You want to be cremated. If you don't have the discussion now, when are you going to have it? When it's too late? Yeah, when it's too late. And 
And so I think having the having the tough talk now, coming up with a plan, and of course it's not going to be a perfect plan, right? There is no perfect plan. You guys just updated your will, right? We did, we did, and I think that's you know that again, it's a reminder. I don't think that people plan to avoid making documents that will protect the lives of the people that we leave behind. But it's like a procrastination thing. If it's not in your face, like, oh, I'm not going to worry about it. And some people say, oh, I'm never going to die. And they kind of laugh about it. Or they say, you know, when I'm older, I'm not going to need long-term care. I've got a gun. i got a shotgun. I'm going to go out in the backyard. <laughs> and they, they kind of laugh. And it's, it's usually more men than women. Mm. And honestly, females live a lot longer than men. We have a lot of female clients that are widows that outlive their, their husband. Sometimes for good reason. I think wife sometimes. No, only kidding. <laughs> but uh, on a serious note, yeah, I mean, those are some of the things that you should have. Now, what about things like investments? You know, we, we talk about the will. We talked about guardians for our children, maybe having a healthcare proxy to make those tough decisions when you're in the hospital, right? Your wishes might be different than mine. You might say, you know, if 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 you need life-saving measures to keep me alive, like a machine to breathe for me, to, to feed me and whatnot, don't keep me alive beyond a couple of weeks. If you don't think if you think I'm gonna be a vegetable, if you think I'm gonna be brain dead, um, you know, everybody's wishes are a little bit different. But having the, that as a part of your plan is important. Again, we are not attorneys, we don't write wills, we don't write out estate plans, but it is part of our planning. And so you know, when you have assets, things that accounts that have value, there's another way besides a will. Any idea about that? How else to make sure that the accounts that you have, the investments, your retirement, is left to your spouse or your kids or your cousins or whoever it may be? Can't you add a beneficiary to those accounts? Absolutely. Yeah. Most people don't know that. They think they think that their will controls everything, every part of their financial life. And that's not true. That is not true. In most cases, you're going to name beneficiaries in any financial asset that you have, right? Anything that has cash value. Now, if you think of something like a house, it only has cash value when you sell it. So again, you're going to have directives in your in your will to take care of those things, those personal possessions, anything that's tangible that you can touch and feel and, and use. And let's say a car. Let's say that nice fossil watch we were looking at talking about today. How would you name a beneficiary? Well, your will. Your will. That's the directive. That's how you tell people where you want your stuff to go. And it's an important part of your plan. But even on the investments that we manage, on the bank accounts that you have, the checking, the savings accounts, the CDs, non-retirement stuff, you can name beneficiaries. Even at your bank. I don't know if you know this. You know Your bank accounts, you can name beneficiaries. And you can avoid having some of those assets go through probate. It's a more direct... It's a more efficient way of planning. And that doesn't mean don't do a will. You can and you should have both parts of your plan. That's why I always recommend working with an attorney, working with an accountant. They should be working with us as a part of a team, a unit. It's a whole team approach. Well, I think we just destroyed that whole topic of estate planning. I mean, that 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 part basically <clears throat> gobbled up this entire segment. Yeah, I'd say. And it's important, maybe, you know, but this is something that you, you kind of plan for now. You get it out of the way. You may not have to modify it so much. But guess what? You have life-changing events. You get married. You have more kids. You get divorced. Somebody dies. 
you know, pet directives. Used to have a pet directive. My, my poor dog, we lost now almost two years ago. What do you, who's going to take care of your pet after? I actually never even thought of that. You know, I We've mean. We've had pets our whole life. I've never thought about that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you want a pet directive. Otherwise, what happens? I mean, where's your dog going? <clears throat> who's going to take care of him? And then you got to think about, too, who's actually going to want the dog? Mm-hmm. You know, so you got to have the conversation beforehand. You know, you talk to your sister, you talk to your cousin, you talk to your dad. Hey, by the way, you know, would you would you want to take uh, on my pet if if I pass away? Kind of a weird conversation, but it is. You know, you have it once, it's and a big then ask you, too. You move on. And what's that? It's a big ask too. It is a big ask. It is a big ask for guardianship. You know, when you when you're talking about, you know, these, when you're having these conversations with your your spouse or with your attorney. You, you want to make sure that you ask the person that you're going to assign as a guardian for your kid mm-hmm. or your pet so that they understand it and they're willing to accept that duty, that yeah. responsibility. With that, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with the show. Do you have a high deductible insurance plan? If so, have you set up your HSA? There's a ton of people who don't know what it is or how it works. Even worse, there aren't many people who can give you advice about how to make the most of these powerful and unique programs. Not many advisors focus on this in their practice, don't understand the mechanics of how they work or even where to begin helping their clients. Reach out to me, Constantine at Monarch Wealth Management, and I'll guide you through this process and get you on track to make the most of your high deductible plan and your superhuman HSA. Welcome back to Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host Sam Gwelly. Welcome back to the show everyone and Sam this part of the show we talk about the latest and greatest and like we mentioned before sometimes not so great news Mm -hmm. and how that ties into what people might be thinking about with their investments and otherwise. So why don't you start off with with something that we released on our social media page last week? Yeah, we're actually going to move on from the whole Ukraine situation, at least for right now. And, of course, you're talking about a survey that you sent out. That's right. And so we, we did a poll. Yep. You right? were we polled about, the audience. Talking about job switching and what do you do with uh, some of your assets that you have there, like 401ks and stuff, and what were the results? So our, our like you said, our, our poll was – We've been working with more and more people who have changed jobs, mm-hmm. either early retirement, maybe changing careers, maybe kind of shifting to something that's um, going to pay you more money right now because of employers right now, if you're making job changes, are willing to pay for good talent, top talent. So what do you do about that 401k that you've had with the company for the last 15, 20 years? So we gave a few different options. You know, you can leave your 401k where it is. In many cases, some companies will cash you out, right? You'll get this check and not know what to, you know, what just happened to you. I've had that happen to me personally when I was younger and, and before I was in this business and I didn't know. And then, of course, I paid the IRS penalty and federal and state tax. But anyhow, so that was one option. The other option was to roll that plan into your new company's plan if they offer a 401k. So you can roll that over without any tax implication. Another option was to take that money and roll it over into an IRA. And then the fourth option I gave was to just cash it out and basically spend it. And I don't think many people want that. Mm-hmm. The reason you're saving for retirement is for retirement to right. supplement your income. So which one won? What do you think? What do you th- So you got four options. Option four was basically like a... Yeah, you me. mentioned option one, you don't want to be paying... 
uh, tax penalties, right? So, so you should probably roll it over. Yeah, so so the reality is everybody's scenario is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. The number one answer was to roll it over into an IRA. It's individual retirement account. The second option was to roll it into your new 401k plan. The reality is there's no wrong answer. I mean, I, I would think cashing out the money and spending it would be the wrong answer, but <laughs> let's face it. Some people might be in dire straits. They, there might be a reason. There might be a medical need. There might be other things going on in your life, and we realize that. But if if all things under normal circumstances are okay and you can afford to, you certainly want to consider the option of either leaving it in the existing plan, rolling it over into your new 401k or an IRA. Go ahead. So, yeah, so ahead. real quick. Um, yeah. My question is, say somebody's 45 years old. They've been working at one job for 20 years. They get um, you know, a job promotion at a different different company, and they're not sure what they want to do. They're pretty sound financially. They're making more money in the new job. What would you recommend? I would recommend meeting with me. Mm-hmm. I would That's recommend meeting with with Dave. You know, and starting there, like for me to give advice and say this is what you should do. Ultimately, I think in most cases, mm-hmm. my recommendation would be moving it into an IRA, traditional IRA, depending on how your assets are. And you might have some pre tax and post tax that are kind of mixed in to your four hundred one k. That means putting money away that you didn't pay taxes on those contributions, and some of the money might be money that you saved post tax. You already paid taxes on it. In those cases, you can roll it over into a, a both traditional and a Roth combination of both. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, if you left it in that existing plan, there, there better be some good reasons, some good benefits that your old employer has in their 401k that maybe are not available in this new 401k or an IRA. In a regular IRA, you have endless investment choices. In a 401k, and you'll see this in our own 401k, We've got a limited menu. It, it's done on purpose. We don't want to give employees, participants, free reign to go crazy and lose all their money. It, it's, it's not responsible for the employer to do that. It would fail a, a number of tests, and it's putting the company at undue risk and the participants at risk. Last thing I want is you to be poor and broke in retirement. It doesn't help me in any way as a business owner. So I would definitely consider that to be the number one solution mm-hmm. in most cases is rolling it over to an IRA. Why? I mean, you got to be thinking to yourself, why? What's Okay, so I've got some more investment choices. Could they be that different? What about fee structure? What about adding um, advice or counsel? Who's helping you on your 401k? Typically no one. It's up to you, right? It's on you. You invest money in your 401k, you save, and and you get to dictate and you get to choose. It's self-directed on where you're investing money. Is it in stocks? Is it in bonds? Is it in target date retirement funds? All those options are, are decent options, but there may be better options, especially if you're working with somebody who's going to formulate a retirement plan for you. It's going to have a, a kind of a goals-based approach of saying, gee, Sam, you're on track. If I tell you you made 20% this year, is that is that good? Are you doing the right things to get you to retirement? 20% on, re- on like your returns? Right. I'd say that's pretty damn good. That's that's fantastic. 
but it doesn't tell you if you're on track, if you need to save more. It doesn't tell you if you're going to reach your goal in retirement. Mm -hmm. So that's where I say working with an advisor to come up with a plan to kind of gauge how things are going, how you're progressing through that plan to get you to where you want to be is better than just looking at returns on, on a statement. Hey, I made 18%. Is that good? Well, everybody else in the S&P 500 made 30%. So 18 doesn't sound so good. And just the, the, the opposite of that. Market's down. I mean, we went, out, went over some numbers year to date. The NASDAQ is down 10 and change. What if your account's down 25% so far this year? You might think, well, everybody lost money. Well, I don't know. The, the Dow Jones year to date is only down 4.8. The S&P is down almost 6. So really all depends on where exactly you have your investments. Correct. Correct. And now what about moving it to your new employer? Would that be an okay decision? Well, maybe. Maybe there's some outstanding, you might have an outstanding loan on your 401k. There might be some bells and whistles that are in your 401k that are not available in an IRA. There are things that you can do in some 401k plans that we just can't do in an IRA. And that's why I say those were the top two answers. So the poll was number one response was roll it to an IRA. And I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. The number two option was to roll it to your new 401k plan. Option number one may not even be a choice for you. Your employer may have the right to kick you out of the plan. Not to mention, do you want to leave your investments at your old company's 401k where you're not in sync and tune with, with what's going on with the company, the direction, and, and investment decisions? You know, I never think that that's a good choice. And number four, cashing out and spending the money defeats the whole purpose of saving. Right. Right? But again, some people are in dire straits. They might have a health situation. They might have a life change, mm -hmm. an event that causes them to spend that money. Let's move on from that topic, that poll. I, I appreciate everybody for participating in that. But let's shift gears now to some other relevant things that we have. How about interest rates? We mentioned what the Fed is doing. So what other, what other components, what other areas of the market and economy might be impacted by raising interest rates. You were talking about the housing market. Housing market. My brother's looking at buying a property, right? Down in Florida? You Down said? in Florida. And you know we bought the vacation home mm -hmm. in December, so just at the tail end of 2021. And our rate at that time was 3%. So my brother was looking at rates, and this is down in Florida. National average is probably pretty similar to what he got. It was 4.25. Fantastic rate. I mean, 4.25 is a, is a great rate. 3% is a great rate. 5% is a decent rate. What we're finding this morning is rates have jumped now to 4.75. The Fed just raised rates 25 basis points, and there's a number of other hikes coming, coming up. It may not be as steep as you think because of what's going on with oil prices. So the whole reason the Fed raises and lowers rates is to either kind of slow down the economy, the spending, the growth, or to ramp it up. So typically, if you have lower interest rates and money is pretty cheap and easy, you're not so worried about spending it, right? Because you wouldn't make much in the bank anyway. But when interest rates go up, it raises the cost for things. It makes you think twice. Give an example. I think I mentioned the birthday party we went to. Instead of taking my wife's SUV, we took my car. It's more, you know, uh, economically, it was the right choice. I like her car. I like the SUV. It's more comfortable. You drive an SUV. Mm. Long term, it's a long ride. It's 
nice. It's comfortable. It's cozy. Cars low to the ground and feel every bump with all these potholes we have <laughs> from the winter. So I, th- I do think that, you know, interest rates are going to continue on this trend. That means more expensive mortgage rates. It also means, you know, higher savings rates at some point. They're almost zero, so I wouldn't get too excited yet. But it's going to provide some challenges for the bond market. This is really an area where we're looking at things more and more. It's not necessarily the stock market. As inflation goes up, one of the best hedges against inflation is stocks. So we want to keep an eye on that. We want to keep an eye on interest rates, but also if you have an adjustable rate mortgage. Not a lot of people have that. What if you have a home equity, a line of credit? They're typically adjusted based on the, let's say it's prime plus two. Could be the LIBOR rate. So these are variable rates, and as interest rates go up and the Fed increases rates, it's going to cost more money for you. So if you haven't refinanced or or, or looked at consolidating debt into a fixed-rate loan, you might want to wake up because you're going to be in for a very rude awakening. You know, things like auto loans, those are fixed rates. How about credit cards? Credit cards are adjustable. They're based on things like LIBOR and the Fed funds rate, things like that. So, again, areas, we don't offer credit cards, we don't offer loans. But, again, it's part of the conversation. We use that ugly, nasty word that I hate, holistic planning. It's the worst word. We look at every aspect. We, we take a look at the whole picture, your investments, your insurance, your liabilities, your debts, your budget, and things like that. What do you think, Sam? Well, you were talking more about oil. And something that stuck out to me is something that seems pretty obvious, but I didn't even think about it. You said your garbage disposal bill. Oh, I'm glad you brought it up because I almost forgot about it. It's even higher than ever, right? Yeah, so we got our quarterly bill for uh, garbage, and we happen to use waste management. I'm not picking on them. Um, But I I do think it's going to be more of a norm that there is a fuel surcharge on there. Mm -hmm. And I forget, it was about 10% of our bill. It's like 20, 30 bucks for the quarter. So that's like 10 bucks more a month. But I remember years ago when we signed up with them, we were paying about 50 bucks a month. And I know those other companies that do it uh, a little bit cheaper, whatnot. I've been happy with the service they provide and, and whatnot. But it went from 50 bucks to now, we're talking 80 plus bucks a month. Yeah, that's pretty significant. You know, it is. And like I said, it seems really obvious how oil's affecting that, but it's something I never thought of. I feel like um, that's something a lot of people just don't think about, and then it affects them in different ways. It do- I didn't even think about it, you know. I until I got the bill, and then I said, "Geez, that makes sense. I get mm-hmm. it." Think about the think about the massive amounts of, of fuel these these big vehicles consume. All that weight, the the the, the machine itself is it, it's huge. It's heavy. It's you know costs a lot. I'm sure to fuel these trucks. And then how about the delivery and shipment of goods? I wonder what Amazon's going to do. Use their drones more. Drones, uh, how about FedEx, UPS? How about the post office? Is that thing bankrupt yet or what? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we just got to print some more money and, and, and yeah. shift it over to the uh, postal service. Just printing more money has always worked, right? Yeah, it solves a lot of problems. It's like it's like <laughs> playing Monopoly, and if you need a little extra cash, I'll just you know throw it your way. It solves all the problems. Anyhow, I don't know how we got to Monopoly, but... Um, 
I think that's all the time we have for today. Again, thanks for listening. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host Sam Gwelly, the Pennywise Financial Podcast. And you can listen to us on Google, on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify. Uh, you can get links to our website. We're all over the place. And I, I'm looking for, I want to see Sam come out with some video content of these shows too. We want to we'll set up the vlog. A lot of responsibility you're placing on me. That I, Yeah, I know. <laughs> A lot of big shoes to fill. All right, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. See you next week. You've been listening to Pennywise Financial, brought to you by Monarch Wealth Management. Constantine and David really care about their clients. They want to make sure you're happy, so you'll continue to hire them. There's no commitments, and clients are free to leave whenever they want. Think about being able to pick up the phone and call someone for guidance and advice on almost anything, from buying a car, selling a home, buying vacation properties, or even selling a business. Reach out on the website at monarchwealthmanagement.com. There are two offices in Rochester and two offices in Buffalo. Reach out to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. Or call us toll-free at 800-480-1580. That's 800-480-1580. Until next time, this is Pennywise Financial signing off. in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, and SIPC.